You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. He is just an obsessive goal scorer. They have to understand I chose to, to stay in my country because I'm French. And... Hello everybody and welcome to House of Champions. Delighted to say that we've got an absolutely jam-packed show, plenty to talk about. So with no further ado, we will get into chatting about the latest from the World Cup in Qatar with Nigel Riococa, Mike Lahoud, and Luis Lucho Garcia. So remember, we are here twice daily during the week during this World Cup. Like, subscribe, comment on our show and leave a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts and Spotify if you are feeling generous. Nigel Riococa, my friend, you are somewhere out in the middle <laughs> of the sea on your cruise boat. How's it going so far? It's going great. I'm on a Royal Caribbean cruise. We're just in Jamaica right now, about to leave and head out somewhere. I go with regular people. You know, I go on Royal Caribbean. I know Lucho Garcia <laughs> hires yachts out. So <laughs> it's just for him and his friends and family. I, I go with Royal Caribbean, so I'm okay. <laughs> but it's great. Right, right to respond, Lucho. How are you doing, my friend? All good. Very good. Very excited. I'm still excited after seeing the Argentina and Mexico mm. going through in that beautiful battle that we've seen. So looking forward to hear from you guys. Uh, Mike LaHood, we're two for two today, my friend. How are you doing? Uh, I'm doing better. I'm, Nige, I'm going to call you Nigel Rosclot Rio Coker. You're in Jamaica. You're with the locals. Your name just got an update. But good to be with you guys. Well, delighted to have you guys all together. So with no further ado, let's get into Group C. I mean, it, it feels like one of those classic World Cup moments that we've just witnessed. You had all the drama, Argentina and Poland ultimately going through, but it was really hanging on a knife edge thanks to Mexico putting in a really unexpected fight. Nigel Riococo, I'm going to come to you first. Were you surprised that Mexico managed to even push it this far? I mean, it, we, it feels like we wrote Mexico off like pretty much after that second game. The crazy thing for me, guys, is this is Mexico I expected. And it took them till the last game to really show up. This is the foundation of Mexican football, Mexican teams. Yes, they're lacking a goal scorer and they're lacking that bit of creativity that they've always had historically. The foundation of what we saw, they literally grinded Saudi Arabia to a pulp. And what people have to take into account, this Saudi Arabia team is not no easy mugs. This is a good Saudi Arabia team. They've been spending years in development. The performances that they're showing there shows there's a humendous potential in this Saudi Arabia team to really cause some serious trouble in the next World Cup if they keep these lads together and they develop some more youngsters coming. There is great potential there. The foundation is there for Saudi Arabia now. But this Mexico team, for me, the frustrating thing is they took to this game, JJ, to see what we all expected from Mexico, what we know historically Mexico is capable of. But there is questions in the fact of they don't have that attacking threat. They don't have that attacking threat. They don't have that real creativity that all historic Mexican teams have had. But it was a great game. This was a real, for me, this was like a quarterfinal, semifinal game of the World Cup. That's how exciting and entertaining it was. For me, it was a little bit about 
the intensity once again of the game. We've seen this uh, in Mexico side playing so many times with that intensity, rush, uh, to go in attack, uh, the whole team trying to to, to show that they want to go for it. And today we've seen it for uh, those 90 plus minutes uh, that we've seen. We've seen Henry doing what they have to do up front, making, trying to, to arrive uh, from second line, trying to be always into the box. We've seen Chavez with that amazing goal Oof. from uh, set pieces. was one of the best uh, goals that we've seen so far in the competition. We see Chucky Lozano doing what he does the best, beating players, creating uh, danger in, in the right side, also playing a little bit in the, in the left side. And the rest of the team just supported from behind because you could see the uh, South Arabia for, for moments, they couldn't find a, a way to, to make even a contest. Like they were so well organized. So I was impressed once again for this Mexico and I was pushing to, to see if they could manage. They have in the last 25 minutes, three chances in front of goal. They couldn't get that third goal who allowed them to to go through but uh, at least they left uh, everything on the field and probably the supporters they, even though that they are going to be out they're going to think all the time why didn't we start uh, the first game of the competition mm. the same way this is a mexico team that's going to be kicking themselves in that first game against poland a game which they were the better team that were just missing the final touch and the finishing touch across these two games the argentina game that was really a foregone conclusion once Argentina got that first goal. But one thing that struck me, this was the first time during this World Cup that we saw Liga Emekis. This was more about Liga Emekis. And a lot of these players in this game against Saudi Arabia, they are stars of the Mexican Soccer League. And it really showcases the talents coming through, the young talent down the spride. Henry Martin plays for Club America. Orbelin Pineda plays in Liga Emekis. Luis Chavez, what a golazo of a free kick. Rocket from the free kick into the top corner. Plays in the Mexican League. Hector Moreno, Mexican League. Guillermo Ochoa, Mexican League. Good Mexican national team player or good Mexican national teams have always had a good core of league representatives in the first two games. I think they got away from that. That's given them success. And now they go back to what's worked in the past. And it just, man, that goal was coming. It was coming. It was coming VAR again, twice. I think this, uh, both calls were correct, but man, it just VAR intervening again in a timely moment at this world cup, you got to feel for Mexico, but Poland, they are breathing a sigh of relief. And I wanted to hear your guys' take on that Poland Argentina match. The guy, I was almost ripping my dreadlocks out. And I, I got lots of them to spare, but ripping them out watching that match. I mean, it was crazy, um, you know, seeing Poland, who have been really tight defensively, then going up against Argentina. I mean, I think we expect, we all expected Argentina to win, but Argentina had chances to really embarrass uh, this Polish side. You know, Poland were really hanging on at the end. I mean, bar a, a goal line clearance, uh, you know, Argentina get that third goal, and suddenly Mexico are actually in the knockout phase. So I think, you know, Ultimately, you know, Poland, yep, uh, I, I totally agree. I think that they can consider themselves fortunate to be going through. How fortunate, uh, you know, they'll be coming up against France, and we will discuss that and look ahead to it a bit later. But, Lucha, I'm going to come to you now. How how are you, are you impressed by the way that Argentina managed to recover from the shock of losing that first game against uh, Saudi Arabia? Or do you think it was inevitable that, uh, you know, Argentina would be able to shake that off? Uh, you know, and, and re-establish themselves as favourites for this title. No, of course, if you go back to what how uh, Argentina arrived to this World Cup, being one of the favourites, the way they were playing, very attractive, the players were all in top form. I think we were shocked by the first game. I think that they thought that it was going to be easy. Easy peasy, start the first one, we're going to win and let's go through and then we make changes, make rotations. Suddenly, they found themselves in a rush of getting a, a good result. I'm, I'm impressed the way... I'm not, not, the word is not impressed, but I really enjoy that they managed to react. We are all think that it's easy to lose the first one and make, change the, the, the mindset and start playing better. And today, in the, the, the last game, you could see the Argentina make that reaction, start being the, the Argentina that, that we were all expecting. Today, I think they play very well. Not the best game that we've seen this Argentina side, but they play the best game. First change of uh, Julian Alvarez up front, I think, is one of the most important ones. I think Scaloni gave him the chance to this kid that is doing so well in Manchester City. Today, once again, he was very dangerous, creating opportunities and at the end scoring a fantastic goal. I think that probably we are not going to see Lautaro Martinez in the next round because he's been fantastic uh, so far. In the middle of the park, once again, 
And so it's been a great, great discovery uh, di discovery for everybody because we've seen and we follow a little bit to this John Talent from Benfica. But today, once again, was the key, the key player in the middle of the park. He was defending well. He was always ready to, to the transition in defense when Poland tried to do a little bit because they didn't show up today. We didn't see Lewandowski, Krzysztof, Zielinski. We haven't seen anything from them today. But once again, you need to win. You need to win and score goals against this uh, uh, Polish side that is not easy. So uh, a lot of praise for, for the team. And let's see if this Argentina can bring the best of them because they're going to need it for the next round. When Argentina lost to Poland, I think, uh, to Poland, when Argentina lost to Saudi Arabia, yeah. I feel there was a big air of, of arrogance. I think there was an arrogance coming in. Everyone was talking about Argentina and Brazil being the favorites to win this World Cup. I don't think they kind of realized how motivated some of these teams are going to be to play against them. And I think that's what all it was. And I think they needed that to get into the zone, as Lucho just described. Now you can see they're a lot more concentrated. They're not the finished article, you would say. They're not someone you could say, right, they're, they're, they're tuned in fully. But I think they're a lot more concentrated now from that defeat to Saudi Arabia. It was a kick up the backside that they needed. And I think they realise now they need to earn their wins. They've got no right to walk in with believing that just because they are the of um, America champions that they're going to win this World Cup. So I think that that's a, a real wake-up call that they needed in this competition. Uh, Lucho touched on uh, Enzo Fernandez and Alvarez, how great they are. Mm. And what people need to understand about Alvarez for me is he is a Pep Guardiola player. The, what he does, not just the scoring goals, it's what he does defensively. Lucho would say, and so would Mike would say, the best way to defend or defending, as we always say, starts from the front. When you have a striker who is going to howl and hurry centre-backs and defenders and make them uncomfortable. It makes it so much more easier for the back four and the midfield to be able to defend as well. So he brings that real energy and element of hard work, which is a typical Pep player. And he's having a fantastic time. And you can see him going on from glory to glory. And uh, Fernandez, I had the pleasure of watching him and both of them obviously playing for a River Plate, doing so well at River Plate, graduating, and then now going into Europe and flourishing even more so. Uh, credit also has to go to Scaloni. He puts out a lineup and really rewards the likes of Enzo Fernandez and yeah. Alexis McAllister. It, it takes a lot of guts for a manager. You're re leaving out Latoura Martinez, who's been the main man for Inter Milan, been the main man in Syria next to the likes of Rafael Leal. I mean, this guy is becoming a world superstar and a world-class attacking talent. To leave him out, that is a big call. To put in the likes of Julian Alvarez is a big call. And that just shows the confidence and the competition that remains in this Argentine team. I go back to one of my favorite World Cups, the 2002 Brazilian national team. If you look at their run to winning a World Cup, the likes of a Cleberson. Cleberson didn't really feature till the last group game. He had a fantastic game. And Scalari rewarded him and said, hey, you're my main man next to Gilberto Silva. You will support my front three of Ronaldinho, Ronaldo, and Rivaldo, and they go and win a World Cup. I think the likes of Alatoro Martinez coming off the bench, the fact that you still have Papu Gomez that can come off the bench, change the game. Paulo Dybala is not featured yet. Will we see him going forward for the world or in this World Cup for Argentina? They are spoiled for talent. But I love their attitude, their aggression. This is much more of the Argentina that we were expecting from the onset. And they have now become one of the teams that no one wants to play alongside the French and the Brazilians. Well, you mentioned the French and, you know, obviously there was a time uh, when we were looking at the draw, wondering if Argentina or France, one of them might finish second and therefore come up against each other immediately out of the group stage. We know now that that's not going to happen. Uh, Poland are going to be going through and going up against the French, uh, who were beaten by Tunisia. We'll get on to that later on. Uh, but you've also got Argentina now going up against Australia, you know, on, on paper, uh, you'd argue that, you know, that's a favorable draw for both the French uh, and the Argentines. Uh, but is there a chance that we might see either of those two sides underestimate their opponents? Mike, I'm going to come back to you first for that one. If you are the French national team attacking contingent, you are licking your lips. You are going to watch this game between Argentina and Poland, and you are going to devour them. I think the fact that that French core, Olivier Giroud, didn't really feature in that game. I, I, I missed the last bit of it. I must have been on the French feed that you were on, JJ, missing the final bit of the last <laughs> final seconds of yeah, the no, game. No, 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 big, no big deal. Just missed uh, Griezmann's <laughs> equalizer being canceled by VAR. <laughs> no, but the fact that 
what I take from this French national team, yes, they lost against Tunisia. We'll touch on that a bit later. But the fact that when Kylian Mbappe, Antoine Griezmann came on the field, Usman Dembele, the game changed immediately. The appetite for scoring goals that this French team has and they're showing at this World Cup it makes them a force to be reckoned with, and they will not underestimate Poland. They will be hungrier than ever to humiliate Poland in the ways that Argentina were capable of. I don't think Poland has the capability or the capacity. They do have the goalkeeper that can keep them in knockout round games. Chesney, again, this guy stood on his head, saved a massive PK against Lionel Messi. Questionable initial penalty kick call, though, from, from uh, I think, the referee on that chance on Messi. Very, very soft penalty, we have to say. We all love to see Messi grabbing a ball and trying to get a penalty, even though he's this, the, the first player. I read the first player in the history of the World Cups to miss two, two penalties. And all the credit to, to Chesney. He's been outstanding. Another save from uh, Julian Alvarez. He could have been the first goal in the first half. So he's been fantastic all through. But for me, he's the best keeper so far. And well, we'll see if he can continue because I don't. I, I just don't see. I don't see this Polish team. You try to get in anything uh, from the next game. I think they were very, very poor today. In one of the most important until the point that I've seen the the the, the manager making a change in Krichovia because he was uh, he had a, a yellow card and you know that yellow cards are points. So Mexico could have gone uh, further forward in the competition if they had less yellow cards until that point because there were levels at all all the, 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 the things that they have to be. So it, it was very impressive to see these Polish teams today not doing almost anything, not even trying to go for, for a goal. So I don't think that they got any chance. And in the other side, uh, Australia, for me, uh, I, I would love to say, I mean, I, I played there. I love the country. I love the the experience the, the of, of it. Uh, I don't like that they call it soccer uh, still. But uh, I think <laughs> I think that they, they're going to found and they're going to found an Argentina in full flow. I'm, I think that is the right moment for Argentina. They already suffer what they have to suffer. They face a, a, a hit back. They, 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 they face that they cannot, if they don't, uh, play the, they don't play the full capacity that they have they're going to struggle because any team if we've seen in during the competition that anyone can uh, give you a headache so I'm, I think that at the moment you guys just mentioned Argentina you don't want to face Argentina because now they become dangerous they know how to compete they know how to deal with the with this kind of situation they are used to it so now Argentina is once again one of the favorites yeah, I think that there's not really much to add to that. I think uh, Licho can could obviously give you more insight to, to what's going on now. And it's the fact of you come out of the group stages, which was the first objective. Now you're in the knockout stages. The mentality of the players and the teams completely changes. Yes, it's a World Cup. Anything is still possible. But when you look at Argentina now, they're finding their form and their rhythm, and that's when they're going to become dangerous. Poland scraped their way through. I don't think there's a tremendous, there is always going to be that belief there. Yes, they're going to want to win games. But with the firepower that Argentina have, and when you talk about, when I'm talking about Poland, obviously, Poland obviously going to play um, French. That's, they should be worried. They should be very worried. Because for me, I see a French side that's just as focused as I see the Brazilian side. I'll still say Argentina finding their rhythm. But when I look at this French team, and especially Mbappe, I think there needs to be a lot more respect for Mbappe's name to say that he is probably the best player in the world football right now. And obviously Benzema's just won it, but when you talk about form right now, he is acting that way and he's carrying himself that way and he's playing that way. The football he's playing is absolutely phenomenal, in my opinion, because you can see he actually is embodying that and taking that I am Mr. France and taking it on his shoulders, burden that comes with it, and he's playing fantastically well. He's become the main man. They have too much for Poland. Poland scraped straight their way through. I think Australia have done so well to get here. And I don't think anyone predicted in their bracket that Australia would come out of that group. What a phenomenal achievement through just hard work, graft, grit. Probably just, you'd say what, what Australian people are for those of us who have Australian friends. You know, it's just really that never say die attitude. Tremendous to get out of that group. But again, what scares me about Argentina is they're coming into their form. And that's what you need when you're coming into World Cup. And Lucho can add to that, especially in the group stages when you come out. It's a different mentality now. When you're coming into your form, you're even more so dangerous. Yeah, and I think as well, uh, you know, it's difficult not to look too far ahead now. We know where Argentina are going to figure in the draw, Mike Lahoud, because obviously... Mm -hmm. 
if the USMNT were to be able to pull off a shock, and I think we can qualify it as a shock coming up against the Netherlands, that would set up a tantalizing quarterfinal clash with Argentina. Now, I'm going to change the, the the question slightly to look at it from a CONCACAF point of view. Obviously, mm. we're still waiting to see what happens with Costa Rica. Uh, you know, but you know how how big a blow is it losing Mexico at this stage of the competition? Because obviously yeah. they're usually one of the powers that you kind of expect to get themselves into the knockout stage. And does that put you know sort of an added element of playing for for not just for for, for pride for the USMNT, but playing for the regional pride to establish themselves as the leading uh, you know regional power in uh, in Concacaf, looking ahead to that clash with the Netherlands and then potentially Argentina after that. Absolutely. CONCACAF has been disappointing at this World Cup, and Mexico has been the flagship of that. Canada alongside of them, but the Canadians were in a very difficult group. Mexico in a difficult group, but given the chances that they had and given the lack of goal-scoring threats that they really had outside of this game, that is what I'm most disappointed in with Mexico at this World Cup. In World Cups of past, Mexico are a team that have that quality in the final third. The last World Cup, the game against Germany, they shocked the world one nothing win against the Germans. There's a believability in that attack. They have Chicharito Hernandez, who are scoring goals in the German Bundesliga, scoring goals in La Liga, Premier League. Carlos Vela scores goals uh, scores goals in Major League Soccer now, but was scoring goals in La Liga. You have Chucky Lozano, who was scoring goals in the Mexican League before his move to Serie A, where he is adding goals and assists. That is a more formidable front line than what we've seen at this World Cup. I think Mexico are in a bit of a crisis. We saw that going into qualifying. They, they squeaked through, and points, they do lie sometimes because they were already – deep in problems their manager Tata Martino there was a bit of question marks do you even keep him in his job going into this World Cup I don't think he was the right guy to lead this Mexican national team in Qatar and then you look at the likes of Costa Rica if you went into this World Cup and you would have told me that the USMNT and Costa Rica would be the two remaining teams U.S. qualifying and Costa Rica having any chance in hell of getting to the knockout round, I would have told you you're drinking whatever is on Nigel <laughs> Rio Coker's cruise ship because you're crazy. But here we are, and Costa Rica have a golden opportunity getting a surprise shock win against Japan the last time out. I wouldn't say it's a crisis for Mexico, JJ. I think for me it's a reality of they need to rebuild. Who just labeled all the goal scorers that they had. They didn't have goal scorers in this tournament really and truly that's not what we're used to seeing and if you really want to be more critical they play very conservative that's not the mexico that we're used to seeing mexico play a different style of football front foot attacking minded just want to, they want to score more goals than you that's just the basic way to play they play great tiki-taki style football i think lucho may even add to this maybe we might disagree but Mexicans really started that tiki-taki football. They always wanted to play football and play right through the heart of you. Mm -hmm. They always had goalkeepers that were great with their feet who could ping a ball as good as the best player on the pitch. That's always been their way. We haven't seen that. We've seen them trying to kind of transform a bit to become more Europeanized, but it's not working. It's taken away from the culture of what makes them so special and so unique. I'd say they are really in a redevelopment phase in the sense of they need to bring new blood through. They need to plan for the future and start bringing in top young talent through now, because if they're going to stay this way, it's not going to work. And then what, with Costa Rica, that for me has just been absolutely mind-boggling. No one ever saw them to lose like they did in the manner against Spain, but then, yeah, get the result in the next game. And I think for me, it's something that we also said before this World Cup, we didn't know what to expect. It's uncharted territory. No one knew what was going to happen in this World Cup. So really and truly, I can't act as super surprised as I am now, because this is what we kind of, said might happen in this World Cup and we're actually seeing it right now and it's just so unpredictable. Yeah, exactly. Lots of more surprises that it can happen in the group stages. After that, I think that we are going to stop seeing surprises or at least big ones. We we are getting in an arrow and, and everybody's trying to fit almost... I was checking what I was doing just before the World Cup to do the brackets and almost I got everyone that is involved, probably not Mexico. I have to say that Mm. Uh, with a lot of pain, but when I was uh, doing the, this bracket, I didn't put Mexico to go through because it, it was coming with a lot of problems, a lot of doubts into the squad, a lot of players that were out. And, and Nigel, I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna add with uh, for you that Mexico for me in the years that they've been passing through. Now you guys have been talking that the the the, the essence of uh, the Mexico yeah, is through the tiki taka, the la volpe, the the, the big manager who kind of uh, 
pass that the world of playing this kind of style. I think Pep Guardiola also mentioned a few times that when he stayed there at Celaya, he picked a lot of uh, the way uh, and the styles of uh, of this La Volpe style to try to play all the game, trying to build up from the back, uh, keepers they can play with the ball. So that style is there. But I think the best Mexico that we've seen in the past uh, few years is when you got a mix between the Mexican players that they are playing in the National League and the ones that come from international. Guardado, Vela, yeah. Chicharrito, uh, Rafa Marquez, all those international players, they were playing abroad. And you bring that experience yeah. of playing in the Premier League, in La Liga, in, it- in Italy, in Germany, all those experiences you bring it and you, uh, and you pass it through to your national team. And that happened also, and I mentioned before, with the Spanish national team. When nation, the Spanish national team was winner of um, of the World Cup and the Euros, it was because Xavi Alonso, um, I, I, how is it called, um, Silva, all these mm. kind of players, they were playing outside in the Premier League, in Italy, in Germany. And you bring all these kind of different experiences into your national team. And then you got a, a good mix of experience. And I think that's the lacking of Mexico this time, that at the end, it wasn't enough. Some fantastic questions and answers and insight. Thank you so much for that, guys. We're going to take a quick break. We're tying a a ribbon around Group C, and then we're going to look at Group D once we come back. Did you know that while over 60% of Americans dream of starting their own business, less than 20% of them take the first step? The reason? Building a business is tough. Taylor Brands is simplifying the business journey. From launching and managing to growing your business, Taylor Brands isn't just another tool. It's your online business partner, from launch to success. With Taylor Brands, building your dream business becomes an effortless experience. Their comprehensive platform guides you through every step, ensuring you have everything you need in one place. From LLC formation to bookkeeping, invoicing to acquiring licenses and permits, and even setting up your bank account, Taylor Brands handles it all seamlessly. And our listeners will receive 35% off Taylor Brands LLC formation plans using our link, taylorbrands.com slash Sports. That's T-A-I-L-O-R-B-R-A-N-D-S dot com slash CBS Sports. So start your business journey today with Taylor Brands. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Well, don't stop watching the world's best soccer. Stream every match of the UEFA Champions League live on Paramount+. Plus. It's soccer's ultimate annual competition and not for country, but for clubs. So sign up today for 50% off an entire year using the code all year at paramountplus.com slash sports. Now, let's uh, get straight back into it, guys, with uh, Group D. And obviously, uh, for those of you listening in, please do send us your questions, comments, uh, and we'll do our best to get to them in the second half of this show. But Lucho, I'm going to come to you first. We're looking at Group D now. Australia, uh, you know, obviously going through behind France, but Denmark, Denmark finishing bottom of that group. Surely none of us saw this one coming. (laughs) I didn't have it. No, I had it to go through. (laughs) Definitely, I was expecting a lot, a lot more from the side. And once again, it was, um, how, uh, how we say, strange to see the team not even pushing the intensity. You knew, you, you know that when you're going to play against Australia, the only thing that you have to cope with it is the intensity, the pressure. They were in need. They needed to, to, to score that goal. So you need to handle that. If you handle that, at the end, you got more talent and uh, more capacity, more arguments to, to go through. But at the end... Once again, we've seen Ericsson on the ball, trying to bring the ball forward, and no one is uh, managing to to create chances. No one is managing to get that ball and capitalize it. And that's the big problem from this Denmark side, that uh, at the end, I was surprised. Once again, I was expecting uh, Brightwood to do something, to 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 make really a threat. I thought that where he's been coming to, to his moment uh, at Barcelona, not getting involved. I was expecting that he was going to shine a, a little bit more. And well, in and out of the national team, is not always uh, the easy way. So it was very, very, very disappointing to, to see their my leave. But at the end, it, it was about Australia. They they managed the, the tempo of the game. That leg, it, 
La Leggy Gold, that actually was one of the most beautiful ones. He managed to do that kind of stop and go, stop and go and finish it in a fantastic way. And the one years old give you that is not the first time that is in a World Cup. And that's give you a lot of experience, a lot of uh, understanding what is needed to do in every moment. So uh, I'm happy to see them going through. Not sure if they are going to have everything that you need to have to 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 go to the next round but at least they are there and that's i think a fantastic reward after the the big effort i want to take you back to that golden moment for them and and this is really the golden moment for them for them qualifying getting this goal shock result against denmark but let's go back to that game against france i think the confidence that we're seeing from australia going forward stems from that early goal against the french where i think it was goodwin who gets the goal matthew lecky is one who gets you the assist. In 2014, Matthew Leckie was part of that Australia team that was scoring goals for fun in their group. I mean, they had Tim Cahill getting on the end of quality service from the likes of Leckie, but that experience, Leckie, a part of their Asian Cup victory, which was hosted in Australia, those are the winning experiences that filter down through your side. You talked about experience, Lucho and Nigel, that make the world of difference for Spain and for other countries. For Australia, I think that grit that has epitomized them through their World Cup qualifying campaign, this is an Australian team that struggled in World Cup qualifying, had to go through the playoffs narrowly through penalty kicks. It was one-way traffic with Peru. They squeaked by to get here. So for them to get six points, two wins in their group, massive. And I think one of their unsung heroes next to Leckie, Mitchell Duke. On the goal they scored, Lecky, Maisie Run, Riley McCree, who's been playing well for Middlesbrough in the EFL Championship, beautiful through ball. But it was Mitchell Duke who held the ball up. If you were going to be a counterattack team, Nigel, you've pointed this out. You either need pace, but you also need a big man who can be that target guy that's going to draw out the center back and then allow spaces and running lanes to create passing angles. And I think Australia, they manage this game to perfection. And moving forward, Hey, if they go and get blown out, it's been an absolute success at this World Cup. But this is why you play the games. Anything can happen. Muted again, Nudge. <laughs> He's two for two. <laughs> you were making a lot of sense, though. Yeah. That's not funny. I think for me, Mike, like I said, the best word you yeah. used there for me was the word grit. I think grit is part of the Australian culture. And when you look at this Australian team, a lot of the Australian culture comes in it. Very hard to beat. Grit, determined. They've got a great blueprint. And as I've always said, if you want to sit as a team, if you want to coach a team to be defensively organized, hard to beat, hard to break down, you need an outlet. Now, Australia don't have raw pace or ray or raw pace or you know, blistering pace to cause you problems. But what they have is football intelligence. And it's great football intelligence in how they take took the goal. Because being clinical is another part. Once you get forward, you've got to have an end product. Either you have a cross or a shot. Something that ends with an end product, not getting up there so far up the pitch and giving possession away cheaply and turning it over, especially in the World Cup. You have to have an end product and it has to be done and dusted and you reset again. I think Australia have a fantastic blueprint to go and cause some problems for a lot of teams because they're never going to give up. They're going to fight. But one thing that they've got, like I said, is being able to be clinical. And that plays a big part in a World Cup tournament. You have to be clinical and take your chances. And that was what Australia have done. Absolutely. We've got some great comments coming in. And here's one of them at the moment. How great would an Australian win be? Especially if the US pull off the upset, Australia against the USA in the final eight. I wonder what that would have paid. Well, if you put your money on that, you'd have made more than you would have made on any of our predictions so far in this World Cup, I can guarantee. But let's turn our attention now to, well, let's have a look at the predictions. So here we go. The retired players division. Ooh. What have we got today's points? Oh, it's been a great day for Nigel Rio Coca. 10. Ian Ian Joy not showing his face on the show today. Uh, Understandable (laughs) when you see that kind of a turn. But uh, Mike Lahoud, 5. Not not too shabby. Mm. (laughs) And here we go. Contributors division. Well, okay. Middling, Middling there. Six points. I'm leading the fantasy team, so that's uh, that, that's all that I'm really bothered about. That's the real quiz. But no, James Benj rocketing yeah. away. Not the best of days for Fabrizio Romano. But let's turn our attention now to France, and I'm going to come to you first, Nigel. Uh, so you've got the French going through. Obviously, they lost to Tunisia, so that was a bit unexpected. 
But also at the same time, when you look at the amount of changes that Deschamps made, and yeah, we can make an argument that it's understandable in many ways. I mean, certainly resting someone like Theo Hernandez, where you don't have any other depth at left back because of some of the decisions that Deschamps has made. Well, Nigel was so daunted by the potential question coming his way that he's jumped off. Uh, so, <laughs> I'm happy to go. I'm happy to go. I'll take you instead. But, uh, if you, if you see uh, that, no, that I'm leaving as well, yes, uh, ask yeah. him to <laughs> He's right there. <laughs> uh, oh, is it? So, Ni- okay, Nigel's dropped off for the moment. But anyway, Lucho, so are we really that surprised by the result given the changes that Deschamps made? And should we really read too much into it given that France were qualified before the game? I mean, for example, if Mbappe doesn't have that slight knock, surely he plays, maybe even racks up another goal. But it, it was a very uninspired performance by the French, but also at the same time, there were just so many reserve players out there. I mean, it wasn't even the reserve goalkeeper. Mondonda's there as the third choice goalkeeper, set a record, broke a, a record set by Bernard Lamar today to be the mm. oldest player for France in an international. Uh, you know, surely Deschamps perhaps didn't need to rotate as deeply as he did? No, I think that they, you try to. You try to rotate, give a chance to as many players as possible. At the end, it's 26 players, the one are involved, and you haven't seen much rotation in most of the teams. One, two changes, four in some occasions, but uh, most of them are always the same ones. So at the end, you have the chance of rotate, and much more because you know that you're going to go through. Bringing the, your best players into the game at, at some point is a risk. Uh, picked a, an injury, they are tired. Imagine if uh, Mbappé goes goes mm-hmm. in, makes a sprint, because at the end, mentally, you are not ready to 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 compete 100%. You know that it is not needed. So your 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 man is thinking about what is going to happen in the next game. So you can pick a, a small injury in your in your thigh or in your hamstring or, or, or twist an ankle, because at the end, Tunisia is playing for everything. They need to win. So they are going to play 100%. You don't want to risk your best players. So I understand that this rotation happened. And when you make so many rotations, it's true, that at the end, the understanding into the team is totally different. You don't know when to go forward, when to stay down. You start making a lot of gaps, a lot of maladjustment at the back. We've seen even Kamabinga playing as a, as a left left back. That for What did you make of it? Because obviously you see him week yeah. in, week out yeah. in La Liga or when he's yeah. playing for Real Madrid. So to know that Deschamps was experimenting with that in training and then went for it, were you surprised? Uh, yes, definitely. Of course, I, I was surprised. I've seen it. I think he's a player who you can um, use him everywhere on the field that you want. He can play as a striker. He can play in midfield on the way as a, as a winger, as a centre party if you wanna ask him because he's, he's that kind of player. He understands football. It's true that he struggled because of, of distances. Like like I said, where to go forward or where to stick on the line uh, on the line. But there's been a few chances where he was totally lost and he was uh, need, needed to to track back and didn't see a player getting his back. But at the end, it was a trial. And this is the game that you can use it because you don't know what is going to happen in the next game. Maybe you're going to need a player to, to, to be using that side. And we've seen it. And I'm going to compare again with the nation, Spanish national team. is the one I got closer. Rodri, that is a center holding midfielder for Manchester City, playing as a center back. When you got in your bench, uh, Eric Garcia, you go Pau Torres, player they are specifically for that position. But at the end, you need to do trials. And that sometimes it works. And well, today, I think it was a, a good game to, to, to see come up in that position. Uh, the, the one worry I take away from this game and it, it it doesn't help you when you're the lone starter from the last game and you're playing with really the B team around you. On the goal that Wahibi Kazri scores, I mean, he completely wrongfoots Rafa Varane like he's not even there. I think yeah. some of the defensive displays, some of the lunging in, some of the positioning for a player like Varane, who was still coming back from that injury problem, injury scare that he had in the Premier League with Manchester United. If he is going to be your center back pairing with the likes of a Kanate, you need to get him more up to speed. And this was a really big opportunity for him to showcase his leadership experience, to showcase more of a defensive presence. But this is a France team that when they're at full speed and at full tilt, they are scary, scary good. I expect the likes of a Varane to get better. I think this was a bit of a one-off given the changes. For Monaco, Oh, not a good day at the office for Monaco players playing in this game. Yusuf Fofana, he was the one that turned the ball over in the middle of the park. Brilliantly done. And shout out to the Carthese Eagles. Tunisia getting a massive win against one of their foes of all foes, the French national team. And it had to be Kazri. Kazri was the player. First start for him. It was almost like a flashback to the last World Cup. We're in 
that last group game. He had one goal and the game-winning goal. Here he is again four years later getting the game-winning goal for the Carthage Eagles. So congrats to you and congrats to Tunisia fans everywhere. But with the French national team, now I'm really seeing. Now we got the group games out of the way. Players rested. It really shows you the impact, I think, in the back line of a player like Teo Hernandez, a player that plays in Syria, captain for AC Milan. I think that this could be the World Cups of World Cups for him to show what he shows week in and week out in Syria on the big stage. Yeah, very good points. And I think as well, the same goes for Rabiot because I don't think anybody expected him to play such a key role for this French team. Yet you take him out in the midfield, suddenly there's very little structure there. But let's throw it forward a little bit. Let's now look at the round of 16 games. you got France against Poland. We've already discussed that a bit. Obviously, we fancy the, the French quite considerably there. But... The potential quarterfinal matchup now is either against England or Senegal. With all due respect to Senegal, you'd probably <laughs> fancy England, you know, over them. But, you know, you, you never know. France and Senegal do have a bit of World Cup history. Senegal do have some quality players. But assuming that it is France and England, Lucho, that surely that is going to be one of the, uh, you know, quarterfinal matchups. And, you know, who do you think, uh, certainly at this moment in time, who do you fancy coming out on top? Because surely it would be quite a tight one there. Very tight. I mean, this could be perfectly a, a final and they're going to face it just what a final. And we're going to miss one of the top tips. One of the, at least for me, was one of the, one of the my favorites in the beginning of the competition. And it's tough. I mean, I, I'm trying to think about um, how are they going to arrive? Who are they going to face? I think England playing against Senegal is going to be tougher than that what Francis got in front. I think it, it is going to uh, um, ask them for a, 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 a best effort. They're going to put everything to try to win because physically Senegal is a lot stronger. We've seen them that they can come back from anything. So at the end, it's going uh, it's gonna to be a little bit tougher for, for England to, to go through to that position. Once they arrive, let's see how they, every, everybody uh, ends in those teams. If they still having uh, Theo Hernandez, for example, for France, is ready to play in that, in that game. Uh, if uh, the players are from, they are uh, arriving with uh, the confidence that is needed. In the moment for me, if I have to choose in between those, I think that France has got more strengths, more arguments up front, uh, the ability and the players to create uh, more threats uh, to the opponent. After that, we'll yeah. see what happens because, again, it's very difficult to, to, to try to call it from right now. Even into the game, we're going to see in these two teams with uh, chances for both sides. But I don't see at the moment the way that I've seen England right now I don't see it with the strength enough. I've seen it with ups and downs, roller coaster of emotion most of the time during the games with uh, sometimes a fantastic football and sometimes with a very poor um, um, read of the game, what is needed. And sometimes uh, not seeing that they, they want to go for it. So in the moment, the way that I've seen both in the group stages, I think the France got more options to go through. Yeah, I, I just worry about which Gareth Southgate are we going to see? The one that managed the game against Wales or the one that managed the game against the United States, which, hey, we'll take the one that managed the game against the US of A any day of the week because that's just how I feel. With Gareth Southgate, you just had Marcus Rashford get two goals. I mean, just man the match performance from him. Phil Foden coming in, starting. And those two players, Phil Foden, one of the most talented players on the field, you now have questions you have to ask if you're Gareth Southgate going into that Senegal match. And if you win that, going into a possible quarterfinal tie against France. Do you play your best players, your most informed players this season in the Prem, and really your most informed, most dangerous players at this World Cup in the form of Phil Foden, Marcus Rashford? I think they get the best out of Harry Kane, but it also bodes a bigger question if Bakayo Saka has two goals at this World Cup. Do you put him on the bench? Do you start him ahead of one of those two? And are you willing to bench one of your go-to players in the last few years in Raheem Sterling? A lot of big questions in the lineup. There's more of a settledness for this France team. There's more of an acceptance of players' roles. And I think that's more of an homage to how Didier Deschamps manages French football is players have their roles, players accept them, and there's more of a team environment around France that I think gives them the edge. Yeah, absolutely. Some uh, some great points there. And guys, we're getting tight on time now, so I'm going to throw it forward to tomorrow. Lucho, I'm going to come to you on Spain, and then Mike will come to you afterwards on Costa Rica. But looking at Group E, Lucho, this is a, a huge game for La, La Roja, no? Mm -hmm. 
it's a massive, massive game because it looked like it was going to be easy the way that we've seen in the first game. So dazzling, having the ball, dominant, scoring goals. Everyone was very happy. And then you realize that it's not going to be that easy. And uh, against Germany, I think they were dominant uh, for most of the time. But uh, you could see that when you face a team that is well organized, who put you under pressure in the middle of the park, of course, you're not, it's not going to be that, that moment and against Japan you know that you're going to need that. You're going to need to have uh, be ready to, to face a team that is very intense, that brings uh, um, a different style of play, that is going to be very, very organized, very disciplined at the back, and you're going to need to find those small spots. I think, I think players like Danny Olmo uh, in the uh, left side has been one of the key players because he brings that creativity, that, uh, that style of play that is different. You don't know what he's going to expect. Go to the wide areas or try to get into the middle to try to find the shot. These kind of are the players that we are going to need in that game. That is really, really important to start well and try to get that first goal to allow them to keep the ball. If you, allow, you give the chance to Japan to believe, uh, we could be in trouble. Would you start Morata going into this game based on what you've seen from him so far? No, not at the moment. Not at the moment. I think mm. the team has been wow. uh, very good with uh, Asensio uh, into the middle, uh, allowing the other two players in the wide areas, Ferran Torres and Dani Olmo, to, to get in those spots and arriving from second line. Asensio, I think, has been a very important player. And uh, Morata, you can use him uh, uh, for many minutes. But I saw the other day he scored the goal, but you could see that is not 100%. The runs, they were not sharp. They were not a space. So uh, I think that uh, Luis Enrique is going to stick with the with the players they were playing the, in the first and second game. Uh, that's, a, that's a great question, JJ. And well said, yeah. Lucho, on Morata. I've got it. As a CONCACAF guy, I've had my eyes pinned on the Costa Rica-German game. I mean, Germany, their back's up against the wall. Very fortunate they are to even be in this World Cup still. And now the question mark is, who does Hansi Flick play in that striker position? Phil Krug getting the goal to keep them alive. Massive goal. Quality finish from him. The only place he could have put that ball on Unai Simone was where he put it into the top corner. Easier said than done under a pressure situation. Once that question is answered, if he goes with the informed man, Phil Krug, who is scoring goals in league form and also at this World Cup with that massive goal, all the other dominoes start getting settled. And for Costa Rica, I really hope that against that game against Spain, Spain played them off the park. But the question mark that I had for them was, why go with a 4-4-2? You are playing into the Spanish national team hands. There's so many pockets against a 4-3-3 that Spain plays. And the two youngsters for Spain just blew them to bits with their positioning and really playing well inside the pockets. I think Costa Rica functions best with two things, playing a very defensive game and maybe hitting on the counter. They're very fortunate in getting that goal. Fuller gets the goal by the goalkeeping mistake of Gonda, who was excellent against the Germans. And now it leads it up to the star man on the team, Kaylor Navas. This is a big moment for Kaylor Navas. He stood on his head, absolutely played out of his mind, more like the Kaylor Navas we saw at Real Madrid during those Champions League years for Los Blancos. I think if Kaylor Navas has a great game, the best game of his life, and maybe the likes of a Joel Campbell get an opportunistic finish, then maybe Costa Rica has a chance, but it's hard to bet against them going up against the Germans. Yeah, very, uh, very interesting insight. My my feeling is that Costa Rica were a bit too old to compete with Spain because Spain have so many young talents. But Germany, they have a few older heads there, and I feel that it might enable Costa Rica to to perhaps keep it respectable uh, as opposed to that awful blowout loss that they suffered against the Spanish. Anyway, moving on to to Group F, and we'll quickly touch uh, on the two games there: Canada, Morocco. Morocco looked very good against Belgium. Ultimately, got the goals late on, but still very convincing. Uh, and Croatia against Belgium, crazy to say this, but it could be uh, you know, a potential shootout, well, notably for Belgium, between two of the top three ranking teams from the 2018 World Cup. Lucho, what are you expecting on the, the final day from this group? I have Canada... I've got uh, uh, different uh, emotions with Canada. I enjoy very much watching them play. I, it's one of those special teams that uh, they put everything they go for the game. They they don't um, play with the result. They just uh, give everything. And the way that they play, I, I enjoy it. But Morocco is a team that they got talent up front. It's a team yeah. 
that uh, when they're on the ball, they are dangerous. And Canada proved that they made so many mistakes at the back, so many spaces, so many maladjustments in between the center backs and the midfielder. And when you allow to uh, the Moroccan players to get in those pockets, I think they're going to be in trouble. So I expect Morocco to, to do uh, the job and, and win the game. I think the difference in that game and the difference of quality with Morocco, Morocco can manage games. Canada, the youthful exuberance and really the inexperience of being at their first men's world cup is showing they do have the talent but i think morocco will outsmart them much like croatia did to get the win and what about uh what about for the the belgian game uh mike what are you feeling there you do, do don't you think talk let's don't talk this? about belgium oh, yeah. my, uh, oh. they, are, <laughs> oh, no. they are killing me to be oh, honest i mean be, the belgian team but it, is it's killing me. but it's the thing is it, it's crazy to me when i look at this belgian side i'm like yeah. okay you know some of the the key parts to it are old but there are still some of the younger players still very good players who could form sort of the 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 crux the spine of yeah. the team to move forward who are just you know they're not getting a look in it it seems really bizarre to me and very clearly there's something kind of off in the in the chemistry what are you reading between the lines Lucha on that I, I mean we, we talk about the, the way that uh, Kevin De Bruyne went off uh, to a uh, uh, press conference and say that yeah. we are too old and then Betongen answering back yeah but we are too old for uh, it's also because you, we don't score goals so you can see that the the connection in the their syndrome is not good that the atmosphere is not good and even into the pitch you can see I mean that's that's hurting for me because Roberto Martinez is one Spanish uh, coach, but I don't know if this team is is well drilled. You could see a lot of massive spaces in between and the lines. Kevin De Bruyne dropping down to grab the ball and trying to bring the ball uh, high on the pitch. A lot of runs with the ball, so no combination at all. So at the end, these kind of things, uh, when you are playing for going through or in the knockout stages, you need to be tied, you need to be organized. And I haven't seen that on, on Belgium. So you lay a lot on your key players that now at the moment, not having a, a top scorer up front is going to make you pay that. So I'm not sure. I think that Croatia is going to do the job and, and win the game. Yeah, I agree with you, Lucho. I, I would very much favor Croatia in this game. I think it's two teams trending in opposite directions. The fact that Croatia not only won the game, but got multiple goals, got key players getting the result, making an impact on the right sides of the field in the box and in both boxes, you got to have more confidence in them than where Belgium is going. There's discontent on the field and off the field. It's clearly showing. And, and those things lead you to, to disaster on the final match day. I think Belgium out. Yeah, so not uh, too much positivity surrounding Belgium. And uh, thanks to Dan Kane as well for some of the comments. Bit of a dumb a dumb comment from uh, De Bruyne, but obviously a, a great player still and, and somebody who could potentially be the difference for them. Right, that's all we've got time for in this episode. So thanks so much for listening to House of Champions. Please take a minute to leave us a rating and review on your favorite podcast platform. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, anywhere that you listen to your podcasts. We're also available as videos. So subscribe to us on YouTube as well. Lucho, Mike, thanks so much for joining me. And until next time, it's goodbye.